thank you for worshiping with us this morning. And now we're going to continue worship with our giving. I'm going to go to Luke 16, verses 10 through 12 this morning as we give. And in Luke 16, verse 10 through 12, we see Jesus say this, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Luke 16 is talking about being a faithful steward of what God has given us. You know, every good thing in our life is a gift from God. Amen? In fact, in Malachi 3, God calls the tithe His. We know this. We've read it many times before. Well, if the tithe belongs to God, if my increase belongs to God, then the way that I can be faithful is by giving Him back what belongs to Him. And I love the word here because it contains a promise. He says, he who is faithful in what is least is also faithful in much. And he says, you know, unjust is unjust in much. If you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? You see, when we give and are faithful, when we give and, and steward or manage well what God has put in our possession, we're like this faithful steward. We're, we're the one who is doing well with what is another man's and thereby we're able to receive the true riches like it talks about here. I don't know about you, but I want to receive true riches. I want to be counted as one who's faithful with God so that I can be given what is truly valuable. I want to be faithful with you know, the things of this world that they don't really carry a lot of eternal value other than what I do with them, how I invest them now and store up for myself a good reward in heaven. You know, the, the stuff I buy, the money I keep, it's not going with me. Amen. It's not going with us. What we do with it here is what is truly valuable. And so if I want to obtain a good reward, true riches, which last into eternity for myself, I must be faithful with what I've been given now. Faithful with the finances, the, the things God, the increase He's put in my possession. And so today as we give and we give tithes and offerings, we're committing this act of faithfulness to God. We're taking part in the process of stewardship and saying, God, I recognize you've brought this increase to me. God, I recognize that this tithe belongs to you. And so as a faithful steward, I'm going to give it because it's yours. I'm going to do what a faithful one would do in giving it back, giving you what belongs to you. And so today as we do that, we're counted faithful. Amen. I don't know about you, but I want to be one of the faithful ones that is able to be trusted with the true riches. Amen. Let's pray and bless our tithe and offering this morning as we give. Father, we thank you that we can be counted faithful, that you have entrusted us in this life, Lord, with things, with, with finances, with other things, God, that we can use faithfully. But Lord, I believe that as we are faithful with these things, we will be entrusted with the true riches, those things which are truly valuable to you, Lord. I pray, too, that as we're faithful with things on this earth, we are storing up for ourselves a reward in heaven. God, we know faithfulness, as we see in this scripture, is a key to increase, Lord. We want to increase, not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of your kingdom. 
We want to grow and expand and make your name glorious in this earth. We pray that today as we give and take part in this process of faithfulness, Lord, increase would come, that you would pour out a blessing for us, that there would not be room enough to receive it, that there would be increase that comes by this way, Lord, that true riches, as it says in your word, would be entrusted to us. We pray this, and Lord, we give today out of love for you and recognition today, Lord, that the increase and the tithe belongs to you anyways. It is yours. You are the giver of every good and perfect gift. We pray this today in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you as you give today. Before we get into the word, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 3 as we start off today. I wanted to make just a couple of announcements, and I'll try to remember to mention this again as we end today. But if you're volunteering with our mini camp in a couple weeks, um, we are going to have meals uh, for the people that are attending that and those that are helping volunteer at that. And so if you would like to participate in the meals, if you're going to be a volunteer at that camp and you want to eat um, there that evening with us, then we have a sign-up sheet in the back. And we'd just appreciate it if you'd put your name down so we can get a count of who all will be joining us for dinner. And so if you're volunteering, please write your name on that sheet in the back as you go today. And then the other thing, I know it was in the video announcements, but did anybody like seeing that wall on the west side of the parking lot this morning? morning. Doesn't that look good? Man, we've got some awesome, awesome men and Donna fed us yesterday. That was delicious too. So thank you to her and all the guys who came out. If you're in here and you helped yesterday, I know none of these guys came out for recognition. I can tell you that much because there wasn't anything very recognizable yesterday. It was just a lot of sweat and work. But if you came out yesterday, would you just stand up real quick and would everyone else join me in giving them a hand today? Come on guys, stand up. We want to celebrate you. Thankful. We're thankful for your faithfulness to come and use your muscle that God's given you to help us build. It looks great, so we're thankful for all of you who came and helped us with that. Uh, this morning, as we head over to 2 Corinthians 3, the message today is titled, What's Written on the Inside? What's written on the inside? Now, I was reading this. We're going to read. It's, it's a lengthy passage. We're going to read from verse 3 to verse 11 here in just a minute. I want to give you a little bit of background, how this message was coming about. You know, as I was reading this passage, it was just jumping out within me. I mean, it was, I was excited. I mean, I was in my, my house studying when I got this message, and I was like about to start jumping up and like running around in my living room. And so I'm going to try to contain it a little bit this morning. But let me just say, if you feel the need to shout or jump or any of that today feel free to do so all right this is an exciting word it's a good word and I tried to break this up I, and and I'm gonna kind of do that but even as I was prepping this I wanted to it's a it's a big passage I mean we're talking about eight long verses and I'm reading out of the amplified all right so it's a lot of word today I was gonna break it up into two parts but I have to read the whole thing together and what it's talking about in this verse is a letter a letter. Is that exciting to you? We got a letter today. I was thinking about how much I love getting letters. And really, I was taken back to a time in my childhood before junk mail and bills came in the mail. Letters were exciting. I loved seeing my name on a piece of mail. Now, it, it's still exciting, but I look whether it's typed or handwritten, you know, because if it's handwritten, then it's probably a better letter. If it's typed, then, then it's not quite as exciting. Kids, if you're in here, you're going to understand what I'm talking about in about 15 years, okay? <laughs> letters were exciting, especially at, at that young age, because I 
knew if I was, you know, if I'm like 10, 11 years old and I'm getting a letter, what that means is somebody is thinking about me and they want to tell me something encouraging. Or maybe, maybe it's like birthday season of the year and I've got a, a letter that contains a good gift in it. You know what I mean? Like my, my little wallet with the $20 I got last year is going to have another $20 in it now. It was exciting to get letters. It was a valuable thing. It was an encouraging thing. And so I always had an expectation that came with getting a letter. You know, letters are a good thing. And today, I think, is kind of the same. You know, we live in a society where they say writing letters is becoming less and less common. I don't know about you, but I haven't gotten too many handwritten letters in the mail. Have you? No, I mean, you just don't get it as much today. There's still a value. When you get a handwritten letter, I mean, it, it has a value. It has something in, exciting and encouraging. And you, I think, at least for me, I approach a letter with expectation. I'm looking for something good within it because I know that I'm in somebody's prayers or on their mind. I even like getting like Christmas cards and that kind of thing or like little thank you notes. I mean, I save all that stuff. Do you guys save that stuff? Letters are valuable. And here in 2 Corinthians 3.11, we are likened to a letter. Maybe that doesn't like make you excited and want to jump as much as it does for me. I hope by the end of today's message it will. Let's read in 2 Corinthians 3. You show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts, such as the confidence and steadfast reliance and absolute trust that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficiently qualified in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency and qualifications come from God. He has qualified us, making us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant of salvation through Christ, not of the letter of a written code, but of the Spirit. For the letter of the law kills by revealing sin and demanding obedience, but the Spirit gives life. And just so you know, this is where I was going to stop, but I can't, so we're going to keep reading. Now, if the ministry of death engraved in letters on stones the covenant of the law which led to death because of sin came with such glory and splendor that the Israelites were not able to look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory a brilliance that was fading how will the ministry of the spirit the new covenant which allows us to be spirit filled fail to be even more glorious and splendid for if the ministry that brings condemnation the old covenant the law has glory, how much more does glory overflow in the ministry or the letter that brings righteousness? The covenant which declares believers free of guilt and sets them apart for God's special purpose. Indeed, what had glory, the law, in this case no longer has glory because the glory that surpasses it, the gospel. For if that law which fades away came with glory, how much more that must that gospel which remains and is permanent abide in glory and splendor. Hallelujah. There's a lot there and we're going to get into it all this morning. And so we're just going to get going because I don't have time to waste. I've got five full pages of notes up here this morning and we're going to try to get through them all. Amen. 
importance of a letter. You know, it's important to understand the context of this letter. You know, you, you see it written here. It's written to us. You show that you are a letter from Christ. Again, I say, maybe that doesn't get you that excited. Well, put yourself, if you will, for a minute back in the times of the Bible when there was no Facebook, no email, no calling, no texting, no anything. And to get a letter from one side of the Mediterranean Sea to another took close to a year. It was exciting to get a letter. It was valuable to get a letter. There was no other way to communicate. I mean, it, it almost seems like we can't fathom it today because so many of us are now so inundated with technology where it's easy to message someone on the other side of the world. I mean, I remember when we like, got Skype and um, my, my aunt and uncle Jeff and Amy who were missionaries in Italy at the time, like, I remember the first family holiday where we got to call them. It was a big deal. It was valuable to have that line of communication open. And this is what's so important about letters in this Bible time, in the New Testament even, that it was an ability to communicate that wasn't there before. So when it says you show that you are a letter from Christ, what is being said here is you are the communication from Christ. And that's exciting. We can turn my mic down just a little bit if there's someone back there to do it for me. It's exciting that I'm a communication from Christ. What does that mean? I'm carrying the word of God. I am God's communicate. I'm his word to the world. We're going to see this as we go on today. It was valuable. It was important that a letter got to where it was supposed to go. You know, the New Testament is actually composed mostly of letters other than the Gospels and the book of Acts. Every other book in the New Testament, all 22 are written as letters. Did you know that? So in the New Testament... The only way people got these epistles and even the book of Revelation, which John wrote as a letter to the seven churches, was through a letter. This was the way that God was communicating with the world in the New Testament. After Jesus ascended to be with the Father and the church was established in the book of Acts, he communicated through letters. And you know what? He's still doing it today. That means you and me are part of the church. You and me are part of God's communication with the world. It's the New Testament life, a life as God's letter. Amen. It's kind of, it's exciting to be a letter, right? Can you get excited with me about being a letter this morning? Scripture is God's letter to us. We see that through the New Testament. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. God's letter to us is His Word. And it's it's good. Praise God. He has preserved and delivered his letter into our hands. He's given us communication from him. His word, he has preserved it and kept it and delivered it to us. He has dropped his word in our mailbox. And now we can have communication with God because we have received his word. We are the letter from Christ. We're going to start breaking down 2 Corinthians 3 here and talk about the many points that, that we see all placed in this scripture we are the letter, letter from Christ. One of the things I said, and maybe you could turn some, to someone this morning and tell them this, your priority mail. Just say that again. You are priority mail. That's right. He paid a higher price to get you sent quickly to make sure you made it there. You are priority mail. And so if you're ever questioning if you've got value to God, just remember you're priority mail. You're a priority letter to him. You are the carrier of a very important message. You know, I, I applied for my passport because we were going to go to Honduras in August. And it came in priority mail. It was a different package. It had a different stamp. It was all different because it was important. It was valuable. 
That's how you are with God. He has given you a seal, a special stamp, a special package called the Holy Spirit. Which shows I'm valued. I have God's very spirit on the inside of me as a stamp and a seal showing that I'm a carrier of a very important message. Amen. John 5, 38 and 39. Let me say this. His word is contained within us and that is the word righteousness. Righteousness is the word that we're going to see written on our hearts. God has made us righteous in Christ. Christ has come into my heart. And because he is in there, what the Holy Spirit does is rewrite what's on my heart. What, he rewrites the law, the letter that was there before from one of stone and coldness and death and law. And, and I can't keep it. It's making me sin. I'm oppressed by it. He rewrote it to a law of life, which is righteousness, right standing with God. If I don't have righteousness, I don't have God in my life. God can't be where unrighteousness is. It's only with right standing with God that I can be with him, that I can be free. And so the word of righteousness is the word written on my heart. We talked last week about how faith, hope, and love, the great three, the big three, they're talking about righteousness. They're talking about right standing with God. If you weren't with us last week, I'll encourage you. Go listen to the message about how love and faith working together produce Well, they are a sign of righteousness in our life. Righteousness is what Jesus came to do. It's what he was all about. Salvation is a part of righteousness. Life, abundant life, is a part of righteousness. It all comes back to understanding I'm in right position with God. And so the letter... What the Holy Spirit has written in me is the word righteous. Is the word I am right with God again. And it's so important to understand that this word righteous is written in my heart because when I know that I'm righteous, I can always go back to that. It is, it is the word I can go back to to find answers on practically anything about life in Christ. What does God think about this? Well, I'm righteous with him. So what would a person that's right with God think about that? What would a person that's right with God have to say about that? What, how does that interact with a person who's right with God? Is that, a, is that blessing for me? Well, I don't know. I'm right with God, so I think it must be. I'm his child. I'm right with God. This is the word righteous that we want written on our hearts. We see in John 5, 38 and 39... How righteousness and understanding that I am with him plays into this word written on our heart. But you do not, Jesus is talking here to the Jews that sought to kill him. He said, but you do not have his word abiding in you. Because whom he sent you do not believe. You search the scriptures. <clears throat> for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. Talking to these Pharisees, the Jews that, that knew the word. I mean, we, we see here they clearly knew the word. He says, you search the scriptures. You are intently studying, wanting to find the truth. You're wanting to find this life. But you don't have his word abiding in you because you don't believe in me. You think you have eternal life, but you don't because you don't have me. You've, you've read scripture after scripture, but because you still haven't received me into your life, Jesus into your life, 
you still have no eternal life. He's talking about righteousness here because Jesus is the only way to be made right with God. This is what we see in the the key verse, 2 Corinthians 3 today. If we go down to verse 9, and I'm kind of getting on to the second part already, but it says, uh, how much more does glory overflow in the ministry or the letter that brings righteousness? It is the letter of righteousness. It is the letter Jesus that comes in and makes us have eternal life. It is understanding that Christ is in me, and because He is here, I have right standing with God. This is what brings eternal life. Knowing every Bible verse, even even living every one of them rightly, is not what brings eternal life. It is right standing with God that we find in Jesus Christ. It is righteousness. The word righteousness written on our heart. You see, as he talks to them about eternal life, we could liken this, and we're not going to turn there, but Isaiah 64, verse 6 talks about how your works of righteousness, your own righteousness, my self-righteousness, my attempts to do what I think is right to make myself right with God are called filthy rags. He says, your attempt to make yourself right with me is like putting on a filthy rag. On the other side of this, we could look at the story of the prodigal son. And when he comes running back to his father and is made right in relationship with his father again, the father puts on him fine clothes and a ring. Big difference between filthy rags, which, by the way, symbolize my ability to try to work to maintain it myself. You know, after we got done building the wall yesterday, I was filthy and my clothes were raggedy. And it was because I had been working to try to build something. With God, it's different. I'm not working to try to build my righteousness up. I'm just receiving it. And so because I'm not having to do the work, I can be put in fine clothes with a ring on me. And I am identified as one who's been made righteous by my Father, not righteous of my own good works. Amen. And so it is because it is a free gift and his grace and mercy bestowed upon us that makes us righteous. We can live in these fine clothes. We can live with a righteousness not of ourself, but of Jesus Christ. Even though these men, these Jews, had the Old Testament scriptures, he says they do not have his word living in them. They still lacked right position with God. They still lacked a a life, new life found in Christ because they didn't have the word alive in them. Let me tell you, the only way you're going to have God's word alive in you is by receiving Jesus and right position, righteousness. I can read, I mean, I could spend hours reading scriptures, but until I receive Jesus and understand, have righteous written on my heart, righteous identifying who I am, Until that happens, I could read every Bible verse and it would still be dead in me. It only comes through right standing with God that I can be alive. This is what we see exemplified with these men Jesus is speaking to. He says, you know, you've searched the scriptures, you know the scriptures, but you still don't have life. And it's because life is only received through Jesus who makes us righteous. Amen. For the word to be alive. This is the good part. How does the word get alive in us? Let's look at Ezekiel 36, 26. This is prophetic and it says, God speaking, I will give you a new heart 
and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. He makes a comparison here about the old life before Christ and the new life we receive with Christ. He compares the old heart, which was stone, to a new heart that's of flesh. We see this comparison in 2 Corinthians 3 as well as he talks about the law that was written on stone tablets and the new law which would be written on hearts by the Spirit. You know, it's better to have a heart of flesh than it is to have a heart of stone. You know, we could just talk about some of the physical traits of of a physical heart versus, you know, stone. The first thing is a stony heart is one that's cold to God. A, A stony heart, an old man's heart is cold to the things of God compared to a a warm, living, flesh heart that is hot and alive. I want to be alive under the things of God. I want to be excited and passionate and hot about the things of God. Lord, take away this heart of stone that was once within me. Take that heart of the old man. I've been made a new creation. I receive a new heart in Jesus' name. A heart that is hot for you, passionate for you. Let me not be complacent or cold to the things of you, Lord, but let me be excited and hot to your word and life in you. The next thing we see is hardness. You've heard the scriptures about hardness of heart. Amen. We know that there was a hardness that went with these hearts of stone. Stone is something hard. Flesh is something, well, it's softer. Flesh, unless you work out a lot, flesh is soft. Okay, it, it, is, it is pliable. It's, it's able to be molded, so to speak. A hardened heart is a stubborn heart. A, a stony heart is a stubborn heart. Oh, well, I don't, I don't want that. Jesus, I, I don't receive that. Nope, I'll take these other scriptures, but I don't want to hear that one. I don't want to receive that word. It's, it's a heart of stone refusing to allow in what God wants to speak. There's a difference between this hardness and a softness, a willingness to take on God's will for my life rather than my own. The heart of stone is a heart that is stubborn to my own will. I refuse to bend. I refuse to change. I refuse to move. That's not a new heart. The new heart we receive with life in Christ is one that is, is willing, willing to be molded by God. And then the third thing is dead versus alive. Stone is dead. Flesh is alive. Amen. My body is, uh, well, I'm alive. My heart is beating. It is, it is pushing blood, which carries life all through my body. Whereas with stone, well, it's dead. It's, it's not living. It's It's a difference here, and what we see is that for the Word to be alive in us, we must have a new heart in us. To have the Word living, not not in the way where I, you know, we talked last week a little bit about like the mental ascent, where I understand the Word, I, I could rattle off scriptures, but there's a difference between knowing it here and knowing it in my heart. There's a difference between having the knowledge in my head and having it living in my heart. And when we receive this new heart, which the Spirit places in us when we receive a new spirit, a new heart, the Word becomes alive. It's no longer just head knowledge, but it is an inward knowing. We see three things listed here that a living heart has. That when the Spirit writes the word righteous on my heart, these are three things I will find. And all three of these point to a life of of righteousness. The first, it says, is confidence. This is in verse 4 here in in 2 Corinthians 3 and 4 in the Amplified. Such is the confidence, the steadfast reliance, and absolute trust we have through Christ toward God. In Christ we find confidence, reliance, and trust. All of these things come with righteousness. 
And all of these things come when I realize that righteous is the word permanently written on my heart. When I know that I am right with God, I have confidence in Him. If I'm questioning whether I'm, I'm in good standing with Him or not, can I really rely? Can I trust Him? Can I rely? Can I be confident in Him? Yes, I can because I know I'm right. I know I'm right with Him. And so these three things come as a result of understanding that the word righteous is what Christ has permanently written on my heart. And when I realize this too, that, that being written on my heart, it says it's written in the spirit rather than in ink. You know what that means. Ink is something that fades away when this world is destroyed. But the spirit will never die. The spirit is eternal. So when I say righteous is written on my heart permanently, it's because the spirit never leaves. The spirit never dies. The spirit is eternal. And so my righteousness is eternal. Amen. This is good news. I can be confident, rely and have trust in God because I've been made righteous. I've been called righteous. It's been written on my heart. Because it's written in the Spirit, not of ink, it's eternal, not temporary. Because it's of the Spirit, we could say it this way as well. My righteousness is not and should not be affected by the things of this world. Philippians 3 verse 20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. When I realize I am of heaven now, the word written on my heart is a word from heaven and not of this earth, then the things of this world are not going to change what's written on my heart. The world can't erase righteous from my heart. People can't erase righteous from my heart. My own wrongdoings can't erase righteous from my heart. My self-doubt or lies from the devil or what the media is telling me or what I see online, none of it erases the word righteous because it's written in the Spirit. And the spirit is eternal. I'm no longer a product of environment or choice. I'm no longer a product of circumstance. My identity is found solely in Jesus. And because it's found in him, I'm made righteous. I'm called righteous. The word righteous, righteousness, it is in you for you to live in line with. Let's go to John 14, 26. And see how this, this relates. You know, we talked uh, right after worship while we were talking about the, the scripture out of Hebrews where Jesus came and was our example. He first did what, what needed to be done so that we could receive the blessing of a life well lived. We see him as our example. Um, John 14, 26 here says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance um, all things. That I said to you, the Holy Spirit brings remembrance and teaching. The Holy Spirit also is the one who brought uh, remembrance of what Christ taught and, and teaching upon what Jesus spoke that gave us the rest of our Bible. You know, all these letters we were talking about, they came by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It talks about that in 2 Peter 1, 21, if you want to go read that later. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings all of these uh, remembrance and teaching of the Word of God and the same Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that helped take the Word and put it into, into physical book form is the same Holy Spirit that is writing the Word in my heart. It's the same, same one writing. It's the same writer. And so it's going to be in line. You know, this is what's so awesome about the Word of God. None of it contradicts. That's right. It all works together. Amen. 
It all fits together because it's the same writer who wrote it all. It was all written through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And now in my own life, He is the one writing righteous on me. Amen. And so I'm not going to be... I'm not going to find myself contradicted in the word. My righteousness is based out of the word. Yeah. I'm righteous because the word says I'm righteous. And the Holy Spirit teaches me about what it means to be righteous. The Holy Spirit reminds me what it means to be righteous. When I understand that I have been called righteous, written permanently in the spirit, righteous, I'm able to live the abundant life. Yeah. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit teaches and reminds what righteousness is. That's what, it is. That's what it's about. As I look to the word written on my heart, as I look inside myself and see I am a righteous child of God, I am in right standing with God, it will give me correct direction for every decision in my life on this earth. I won't have to wonder what the right thing is because all I have to think about is how does this relate to my position with God? How does this situation relate to me being God's child and right with Him? I know He is for me. I know He is with me. I know that He has already succeeded. And because I'm with Him and righteous in Him, I've, I've got the victory just like we were singing about earlier. As I look to my righteousness, I find answers for this life. And the Bible, and we've already sort of said this, the Bible is where teaching and remembrance are based out of. Everything that the Holy Spirit's going to teach me about what it means to be a righteous child of God is going to be found in the Word. Yes, it is. Now, now, the Holy Spirit may take what's in the Word and open that up for me, show me what it really means, and it, it might not be with another scripture. I mean, that, for me, that's how revelation comes. Many times I'm reading something kind of like this thing. I could read it, I'm a letter of God. And, and I could just glaze right over that. In fact, it was kind of funny as I was reading through 2 Corinthians and, and felt directed to preach about this this morning. Um, I was looking at, I have big margins on my Bible and I write out all the notes and like little things that God shows me. And I had nothing through this whole passage. <laughs> it hadn't been revealed to me before and I don't know why that was, but it hadn't been. I'm reading along and I thought, oh, 2 Corinthians 3, not much here for me. No, there's always something here for you. All right? And so I'm reading along, and I see letter, and I think, well, I'm a letter of God. What does that mean? And the Holy Spirit started showing me what it means. And he led me to other scriptures that tied together and confirmed these things that he was speaking to me. But it didn't come in, in, in all verses. I mean, he spoke to me, but it was all confirmed and taught and remembered out of the word. I mean, this is how messages come together for Sunday morning. If you, if you really want to know the process, he shows me something, he starts talking to me about it, and then he reminds me of other places that confirm and teach what I'm bringing together. And this is how it works. He teaches and reminds us based out of the Word. You know, Jesus is our example. We, we sang about that. He's the way, you know, he, he has gone before us. He has lived the perfect life, died, been our sacrifice, rose again. We could say it this way, and, and we're going to, um, we're actually going to go to 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5 next and talk about this. Um, Jesus, he, he is our example. Another way we're, we're going to say this, and it fits in with the project we did yesterday, is he is our cornerstone. Okay? I had to talk about the wall a little bit. I'm just, I'm, we're so pleased with the way it turned out. <laughs> Jesus came as God's word, the message, the good news, the truth the letter 
for us. Do you know that? Jesus was God's letter to you. Jesus was God's letter to us. God's word, his communication, his message of valuable and importance written to us. Jesus was a letter. Amen. Probably never heard that said before. Jesus was a letter. He was. He was written to us. And because we are, um, we, we are living after him as our example, we too are letters of God. You see, he was a man. He was full of the Spirit. It says that in Luke 4, 1. He was a man who was full of the Spirit, and the Word of God was written in his heart. This is the same way for us. We're full of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit is writing God's Word in our heart. He, and the first word is righteous. The first word, when I receive Jesus, right. You are right with God. And so we are set in his image. We are an example after him, a cornerstone like the blocks we laid yesterday. Let's look at 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5. It says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So as we talk about he is our cornerstone, and we're building this house of the Lord. The, the imagery we have here, and, and it th makes me think about the first block we laid yesterday morning. We put one down, and it had to be perfect. All right, I mean, we leveled that thing off like 10 times. We were measuring. I mean, we were scooting it and jumping on it. And I mean, we made sure it was perfect because the cornerstone sets the precedent for everything else that comes after it. The cornerstone is the example for whether the rest of the building is going to be built the right way. Jesus came and lived the perfect life, was the perfect example so that as we follow after him, we're perfectly in line with the will of God, with the word of God. And so Jesus comes, lives a perfect life, and sets an example for us. Jesus had the word of God in him. Amen. You know Jesus had the word of God in him, don't you? And the Holy Spirit was writing the word of God through him. This is how our life ought to be as well. If we are examples after Christ, God, the Holy Spirit, as it says here in 2 Corinthians, is writing the word in my heart, and he's speaking to the world through me. I'm a letter written to the world so that they can receive the valuable and important message of Jesus. The message of righteousness. I'm a letter. Are you a letter? Yeah. Amen. We're letters from God for the world. You know, the same way we know the Father, we know abundant life. To know Jesus is to know um, the Word. Jesus knew the Father and abundant life. He knew righteousness. It, it, it all comes down to righteousness. Knowing God is about being right with God. If I'm not right with Him, I can't know Him. If I'm not right with Him, I can't receive the life that He intends for me to have. It all comes down to being in right position with God. And this is what Jesus came to do was make us righteous. 2 Peter 1, 3-4 says this, and it, and it speaks to that point, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. 
in order, it says here, um, he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's given them to us through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. It requires me to know God in order to receive, as it says here, all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. I want all things that pertain to life and godliness. The way I receive all things that pertain to life and godliness is to come to knowledge of him who called us through glory and virtue. How do I come to knowledge of him? By letting the Holy Spirit write on my heart. See, this is the piece that was missing um, between the Jews that had studied all the scriptures and still couldn't figure it out. They still weren't receiving all things that pertain to life and godliness. And it, be, it was because they hadn't received Jesus and so they hadn't received right standing. They hadn't received righteousness. They were still trying to be righteous in themselves and so they couldn't receive all things because the Holy, they weren't allowing the Holy Spirit to write on their heart. The Holy Spirit wanted to write righteous, but they still wanted to work it out on themselves. They were still trying to carve the word righteous on stones, on their hardened hearts of stone. Rather than allow the Holy Spirit to write it on their heart and give them a new heart. See, this is the difference between the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and the New. Is we no longer have to chisel away to get the word righteous written in our life. They didn't have hearts that were alive unto God because Jesus hadn't come and brought a new life to them. They were still trying to chisel away righteous on their stony hearts. We just received the Holy Spirit into our life and He writes righteous on us. Amen. And I said this a moment ago, but the purpose behind so much of this um, understanding that we are a letter written. Why, why did God write us as a letter? Number one, I believe he wrote the word righteous on our hearts for us so that we could understand and receive this abundant life. He, he wants us to have the abundant life. So I believe, first of all, we have to know the word righteous is in our heart so that we can receive that. But then I believe the second reason we are written as a letter is because we're written to a world. This is the reason we're still here. If, you, if you've ever wondered why don't we just go up to heaven right now, it's because there are people that need the message. Amen. There are people that need to receive the word that is within you. They need to receive the good news, righteousness. They're still trying to work out on a stony heart. How do I make myself righteous? They're still trying to put on filthy rags and make myself look good to God. But they need the message that's in your letter. They need the word righteous that's written on your heart. Let's look at 2 Peter 3.9. It speaks to us about this point. It says this, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. Talking about the promise of coming again. As some count slackness, but he is long-suffering. He's patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus hasn't come back yet because he's waiting for the people that haven't received the word righteous on a new heart to receive it. He doesn't want any to perish and die and go to hell. He wants all to come to know him. And he's waiting for the letters to go out. He's waiting for the letters to drop into the the mailboxes of someone else's life. He's waiting for the word on the inside of me to get to someone else's life and they need to hear about who God is and what he's done in my life. And as this happens, we get closer and closer to the glorious day that Jesus comes back. The message of righteousness is the message that needs to be sent. It is the priority mail is the word righteousness. I'm a carrier of that word. 
I'm a carrier of the word righteous. Everywhere I go, everywhere I bring my heart, righteousness is there. And so I, as God's word, his letter of righteousness, need to go into the world so that others might receive that same righteousness. It's all about, it, well, it's evangelism. It's about being a launching pad for ministry, which is what we are. We need to go and be righteousness to people. We need to show them righteousness. Jesus is the one who makes us. I'm not going to go out and make anybody righteous, but I can make them aware of the righteousness that's available. Amen. Amen. The value comes after you receive the message. It's, it's like you open the card before you open a birthday present. I'm the card. Jesus is the gift. I, I, I might be what alerts you to what you're about to get, but Jesus is the good part that you're really going to get. We want to go and be the, the letter for people. We want to go and, and speak righteousness to people. So this is the question that I come to. What does my letter say to those that read it? And I guess, too, this could be another part. What does my letter say when I look in my own heart? What word am I reading when I look at my life? Is it righteousness? It should be. It's supposed to be. This is what God wants it to be. When other people look at my life, look at my actions and my words... They should say righteous. I'm a righteous child of God. People ought to know I'm different. I'm righteous. I know God. I'm with him. I've received life from him. And, and you know, we, we could, it's so much a foundational thing to understand righteousness because it truly gives base to every other, th- like we talk about hope a couple weeks ago. I have hope because I'm righteous. I have hope because I'm in right standing with God. I have love for other people because I have right standing with God. I I, I have promises of God. I believe I have healing and provision in my life because I'm in right standing with God. It all comes back to Jesus who makes us right. And so as I live my life, all things I believe ought to point to righteousness found in Jesus. As I live, my life should be pointing to the righteousness that I have found in Christ. We're not going to turn there, but I want to give you two references that talk about someone reading the letter of my life. Both are in Acts. The first is Acts 10. You can find it in verses 38 through 43. And the second is in Acts 26. Both of these are are references to somebody letting their life be a letter. The first in Acts 10, 38 uh, through 43 is an account of who Jesus was. this, This account, these five verses, talk about who He was and what He came to do. They talk about the Holy Spirit and the power, the miracle power of Jesus while He was on the earth. They talk about the sacrifice, how how He was the sacrifice for us, and He died and He rose again. And then they talk about how He is the Messiah that was prophesied about for You know, thousands of years, all through the Old Testament. It's a testimony of Jesus. My righteousness is a testimony of Jesus. It is the story of God sending His Son that He preordained from the beginning of time to be a sacrifice for my sins and make me right with Him again. It's a message. It's a testimony of Jesus. And then the second in Acts 26 is Paul's personal testimony. He talks about how he grew up as a Pharisee and and lived this life uh, persecuting Christians. And then he had an encounter with Jesus. 
And he changed. His whole life changed and he began to share the gospel. And he talks about how God helped him all along that life of sharing the word. These are the two testimonies. These are the two stories that my letter ought to, ought to contain. The first is the message of Jesus, who he was and what he's done. And the second is what he's done in me. This is what my life ought to speak. This is what evangelism is all about, is being the letter that communicates what God has done. I want to be the letter that communicates what God has done. I want to talk about who Jesus was and is and what he's done. And I want to talk about personally what he's done in my life. These two things are the letters that God is sending to the world. And now in the last little bit of time we have together this morning, I want to talk about the second half of, of us being a letter and what the message we're communicating is. And this is, this is the part that got me really fired up the other day. Now if the ministry of death engraved in letters of stone, the covenant of the law which led to death because of sin, came with glory and splendor, that the Israelites were not able to look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory that was fading, how will the ministry of the Spirit, the new covenant which allows us to be Spirit-filled, fail to be even more glorious and splendid? For if the ministry that brings condemnation has glory, how much more does glory overflow in the ministry or the letter that brings righteousness? The new covenant, which declares believers free of guilt and sets them apart for God's special purpose. Indeed, what had glory, which was the law, in this case no longer has glory, because the glory that surpasses it, the gospel, for that, if that law which fades away came with glory, how much more must that gospel, which remains and is permanent, abide in glory and splendor. This second half of, of the verse we're, we're studying this morning talks all about how the law was so glorious when it came. I love the, the image that it shows here because it says when the law came, when Moses had read these stone tablets, the law, the commands of God, people couldn't even look at him because his face had so much glory about it. And here we have in the New Testament a better covenant, a better letter written on our heart is the way it says. No longer is it a letter of law which brings condemnation and, and death, oppression and bondage of sin, but now a letter of freedom. Yeah. A letter of freedom. See, it's so different because in the Old Testament the letter was do this right or else you're going to be shackled up in bondage. And that letter caused bondage. It was impossible for anybody until Jesus to, to respond accurately to the letter of the law. But you know what? The letter we have is an open invitation. Ooh, that's good. The letter of the law was a closed party invite, but the letter of love is an open invitation. The letter of Jesus is open invite. It's for all the world, all the people, every tribe and tongue is invited to come and answer the letter of love, which is Jesus and right standing with God. Amen. We have a better letter today. Yes, we do. And you know what got me so fired up about this yesterday as I was reviewing this message and getting it ready for today is the, the glory and the splendor of the old letter. I mean, it was a glorious thing back then. How much more glorious is the letter we have today? How much more glorious is it that Jesus has made us right, not of our own good works, but by the love of God and His sacrifice? It is glorious. It is accessible to us. You know, the, the, the letter of the law, which was exclusive, 
was glorious, how much more is the one that is inclusive, that brings us in and does not push us out and away from God? The one that was, was established and written just so that we could come and know Him well. It is a glorious, glorious letter. And so when, when we consider this, I mean, it ought to fire us up. Amen. We ought to be excited about the letter of righteousness, about the letter of Jesus. Because it is so much better for us than the letter of the law. Luke 15, 4 through 7 says, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. When one person receives the letter of Jesus and right standing with God, heaven rejoices. And we as the church ought to rejoice. We ought to look at this letter of love, the letter of right standing that we find in Christ with glory and splendor. Every time I, you know, and I've heard so many times about it, you know, we have a better covenant now. Let that not get old to me. Let that not get normal to me. I don't want the good news, the letter I've received from God to become something that I take for granted ever. I want to constantly look at it with glory and splendor. Thank you, God, for the good news that I have. Thank you, God, for the letter that you've written, the word you've given through your son Jesus for right standing. It is a glorious thing. The glory of the gospel has surpassed that of the law, Hebrews 8, 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also a mediator of a better covenant which is established on better promises. It's all better. better. Everything about it's better. Yeah. And so I ought to look at it like it's better. If I thought that my life was really good because I, I've done a lot of good things and I can live a glorious and splendid life because I'm a good person, how much better ought it to be when I understand that Jesus has made me entirely better, entirely right with Him? And it's not even about me. Amen. It's not about me. Somebody shout that today. It's not about me. It's better when it's about Jesus. It's better when it's a letter about him and not about my own good works. I need to stop doing that because I keep popping the mic. Psalm 96 verse 6. Two more scriptures to share. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as we close out this service this morning. Psalm 96 verse 6. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Let me tell you, the gospel is permanent. This is what we found in this verse today. When it's written in spirit and not in ink, it is eternal. It is for forever. And because I'm righteous with him now, because I've been written right, I've got admission to the sanctuary of God. I can come before God right now, here, today, and stand before him. And Psalm 96.6 says, honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. I live a life of strength and beauty, standing before honor and majesty, because my life, which is right, is a life lived in the presence of my God. Amen. Amen. Do you recognize today that you can stand right before God? I can be in His presence in this very moment because I've received word. I've received an invitation, which is the gospel. And so when I question things in life, what I need to look back to is the word righteous. 
that the Holy Spirit has written in my heart. And I need to understand that this letter that I have, this word righteous that the Holy Spirit's written on me, is a letter I'm supposed to send to every person I know. Every person I know ought to receive the message, righteous, righteous. Jesus has made me righteous. And as they do, heaven will rejoice over that one that comes home. We as a church, we rejoice when one person is found. When one person receives the letter from God and accepts the invitation to come and know Him. Amen. Amen. One more verse as we close out today. Psalm 49 and 10. It says, I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips. O Lord, you yourself know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. I want what is written here in Psalm 40 to be true of my own life as well. Do you today? Do you want, I want to be able to come before Him in His sanctuary as we, as we worship together here for just a couple minutes at the end. I want to stand before Him and be able to say, Lord, I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness. I have not hidden righteousness in my heart. See, righteousness is in your heart. But the question today is, number one, will I look to it when I'm in a time of question? And number two, will I share it or will I hide it? Am I willing to proclaim that righteousness before all? Am I willing to send this letter out to the world that they might come to know the righteousness that I found? I want all to come to know the glory of life in Christ to you. Church, we want all to come into right standing with God. And so would you agree with me? Would you stand and we'll pray this out together and then end in worship today. Would you pray and agree with me today? That I do not want to live a life of hiding righteousness in my heart, but of, of displaying it and proclaiming it everywhere I go. God, let your letter, the word of righteousness, come out of me in every moment of every day. Will you agree with me in that today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have written a letter to us, that Jesus has come as the word. He has spoken to us and he has proclaimed the good news. Thank you for, for preserving the letter of your word through men and women, through the Bible, Lord. We thank you that we have received the word righteous through Christ, that in Jesus we find right standing with you. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to write that new identity on our heart, Lord, we will take it into life. We will look to our righteousness in moments of question, in moments of circumstance or, or difficulty, God. Let us look back to our righteousness and find confidence, strength, reliance, and trust in you. And Lord, I pray, finally, as we go from this place, that we would be those who can pray and speak out what is in Psalm verse 40. I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness. Lord, I will speak of my righteousness. I will share of my righteousness everywhere I go. I want the world to come to know what I know. I want all those who have not received righteousness in their heart to allow the Holy Spirit to put a new heart.